Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. In this podcast, we hope that you get the opportunity to connect with other homeschoolers for encouragement, tips, and fellowship. Like Sunlight's curriculum offerings, we explore homeschooling through the lens of a literature-rich, Christ-centered education. Join us on this adventure. Hello and welcome. My name is Sunny. I am Sunlight's community manager and I'm a Sunlight mom of two kids. Joining me today are some other Sunlight moms. We are so excited to share our homeschool journeys with you and the connections that all Sunlight parents share. And we will be diving into the questions and homeschool issues submitted by other parents in our Facebook group and on our app. Our hope is that you will find these solutions helpful and learn how important our Sunlight community is. So ladies, we're going to start with introductions. I would love to hear your name, maybe why you chose Sunlight and which program you are using this year with your kids. Kendra, do you want to start? Absolutely. My name is Kendra Knopf and I have three little boys ages six, four, and 17 months. They are all playing right outside in the backyard right now. So there might be some interruptions or banging on the door. (laughs) Um, My husband and I, have been praying about homeschooling for years before we actually dove in and in the midst of all that prayer we stumbled upon sunlight's curriculum and just fell in love with it we loved all of the reading all of the beautiful books that were promoted we love the concept of science with real living books and real living materials instead of just you know textbook just do your textbook work um, and then we love the idea of incorporating missions and diversity into a homeschool curriculum. Those things are more rare when it comes to curriculum that I've found. And since we are a biracial family, finding something that really embraced diversity and being able to view the value of different cultures all over the world was really important to us. So those are some reasons why we chose Sunlight and we did the kindergarten program last year and then we are doing Core A this year. Hey, thank you so much. Katie, do you want to go next? My name's Katie. Um, I started homeschooling last year with Core B. My uh, kids, I have three kids, uh, nine, eight, and two. She keeps me on my toes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we do a combined core. So both my eight and my nine-year-old are doing C together this year. Um, because my daughter struggled in math before we pulled them out of the public school, we basically had to restart her. So um, even though they're technically in different grades, they're doing the same math this year, um, which makes it easy for me. But, um, but you know, that's the beauty of homeschool is she was struggling. So I was able to put her where she needed to be. And she doesn't feel like a failure because she's just working through. Um, my two-year-old is our tag along. She literally keeps me on my toes. Um, yeah, she's into everything and you just never know what's going to happen in the school day because of her. So (laughs) I have lots of tips there, but, um, so this year we're doing C and we're going to be continuing with sunlight. One of the reasons why I chose sunlight is I live in Pennsylvania, which is one of the most regulated States in the country as far as requirements and sunlight hit all of the requirements. And I didn't have to look for anything else. 
So that gave me a boost of confidence and the fact that I just didn't have to keep wondering, do I have it all? Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, everything's included and it makes it <laughs> so much easier to homeschool a sunlight, I think. Denise, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Dom. I'm from San Antonio, Texas, and we have four children. I have two stepsons that are actually in public high school, and then we are homeschooling. I have a seven-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl, and we are COVID homeschoolers, um, and I fell in love with it anyway, so we're doing it again this year. Um, we started last year pretty late in the game, so I, I had just a little bit of time to kind of research and learn all there was to know about homeschooling, and I was just very fortunate. A friend of mine. Um, told me about literature-based curriculum and, and different things. And I heard about Sunlight through her. And for me, it was looking through the catalog and seeing um, a lot of my favorite childhood books and some of the, actually the later course. So I'm really excited about, you know, some of the ones to come, but um, I just, I thought, oh gosh, I've kind of found my people. And, you know, this is, we, you know, I really love sitting on the couch and reading to my kids, you know, and they love that, you know, they would probably do that with me anytime. So I thought, well, that'll be a great, at least first year. And like Katie was saying, I really liked that being someone, I felt like I didn't really kind of know too much what I was doing. I was like, you know, I feel much more comfortable kind of going with a company that's been around a long time. Um, that's probably tried and true. And, you know, anyway, so I just felt a lot of, I got a lot of reassurance from that. I liked the approach and, um, we did as a Kendra did, we did HBLK, um, with my, my daughter was kind of tagging along, but, you know, she really liked all of the American history stuff. I thought, it just appealed to me to kind of study American history. Um, and so uh, that was that was great. Um, they really enjoyed that. And we're doing uh, Core A this year. They don't really consider the read aloud part, you know, a school. They're like, when are we going to stop doing school and just and read, you know, um, which I think is just so great. So, yeah. Yeah, the read alouds are so much fun. And like you said, they don't feel like school. That was part of what drew me to sunlight. Uh, my parents actually homeschooled me for one year back in the late 90s and discovered sunlight at a convention. And I have always been an avid reader and I love history. And so that's kind of what led them to choose sunlight for me. And then when I started considering it with my kids, I never thought that I would be a homeschool parent. But come time for preschool, I was like, well, I can teach preschool. That's not a big deal. Um, and so I returned to Sunlight because I knew I wanted to enjoy what I was teaching. And then here we are 10 years later, my kids are now in seventh and second grades and we're still going. So in our house, we've used preschool and pre-K and then A through, we're now in H this year with my oldest. Um, K was not around, unfortunately, back when she was in kindergarten, but but like you guys, I've, I've always loved anything new that Sunlight came out with and the new science is amazing, the hands-on history kits, all of that. So it made sense just to keep going. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start. Whether somebody is a new homeschool parent or they've been homeschooling for a long time, it's pretty normal to feel overwhelmed and or unqualified to teach your children. So what advice would you give a parent in that situation? I have overwhelmed down to a science right now. <laughs> um, I lost the entire month of August. All of us got COVID. Oh, no. And we didn't just get it all at once. We got it one at a time. So it lasted all month long. And on top of that, we're remodeling my living room. So 
School. <laughs> so a great time to start school. <laughs> like, you know, life just keeps happening. So I'm also on leadership for our local mom connect group and I'm helping start a new co-op. So all of this is going on all at once and I still have to educate my children and they got COVID first. So they were better and needed something to do when I was sick. A sane person would have said, you know what? We're not doing school. I'm not sane. (laughs) I did cut myself back. And I think that's the first thing that when you're feeling, especially overwhelmed, when life just keeps happening, if you skip your spelling week for the list, for your spelling list for the week, if I can talk today, that's okay. They're not going to be horrible spellers because you skipped one week. And I did, I looked through what I considered my priorities for school. Um, And a friend of mine who is a uh, veteran homeschooler told me, Katie, as long as they're writing, reading, and doing some sort of math, you're golden. But, you know, the biggest thing when you're overwhelmed that for me is figure out what your priorities are. And if you don't get to the rest of it, you're still okay. Um, I like Katie feel like I have overwhelmed down to a science, maybe not quite like we didn't have COVID, but you know, last year in the midst of COVID was when my son was starting school. I had, I had a newborn baby. Um, we were remodeling our kitchen and just the whole kitchen wing of our house. And so that was all completely torn apart. So we had no kitchen and I thought I'm jumping into homeschooling for the first time. What am I doing? (laughs) This was not a good choice. (laughs) But um, some things that I've taken away from that season and have brought into this season, which still feels overwhelming because, you know, I still have a four-year-old who kind of tags along and then a 17-month-old who is just walking and kind of talking and you know he's flushing everything down the toilet and he is unloading the dishwasher constantly and just all these things that are happening that kind of create chaos in my world um I feel unqualified most of the time like what am I doing I don't know what I'm doing I don't know how to do this I wasn't prepared for this and I did not grow up in a exposed really to homeschooling at all I went to I went to a Christian school my whole life, and then my husband was in public school his whole life. So this is kind of a brand new world for both of us. So I just felt very unqualified as well as overwhelmed. And a couple of things I've taken away are just seeking community and the perspective of parents who have gone before us and who are older and wiser and have a lot of wisdom to share. Um, I have a sister-in-law who is getting ready to start graduating kids that she's homeschooled since they were little. And one of her very close friends is just a homeschooling rock star. And before I even started this journey, I went out, I took her out to Starbucks and said, please share everything that you can with me. Impart all of your wisdom to me because I don't know how to be a kindergarten teacher or I don't know how to teach first grade. And so just sitting down with her, you know, she gave me so much perspective and I think really taught me so much just about being willing to let things go, being willing to give yourself grace, understanding that things don't have to look like traditional school Mm -hmm. and that homeschool really happens around life. So I'm just learning how to roll with the punches 
and understand that it's okay if every little box doesn't get checked, you know, if everything in the instructor's guide isn't checked off, or if there are things that my son just is not gelling with, that I can just cross it off the list and decide, we're not doing that today, we're not doing that this week, because it's causing more chaos than peace in my house right now, and that's okay. So learning just to embrace that. And then also realizing my own red flags for when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed, like what that looks like for me. Um, So if I can stop and recalibrate and just decide like, you know what, we're just going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord for wisdom right now. How are we going to handle this? Or we're going to stop what we're doing and we're going to have a dance party because mommy's overwhelmed and we need to have some fun. This should not be so hard and overwhelming. My memories of first grade are really fun. <laughs> and that's what I want you guys to take away from this. Or, you know, deciding that uh, I'm going to do something really simple. Like, I'm going to hug my boys every morning when we get up and we, you know, start breakfast before we start school. We're, I'm going to have a hug and we're going to, you know, just talk about, how did you sleep last night? Did you have any dreams? Like, all of those things before we jump in. Because we usually start school right away in the morning because they're ready to go. And um, just remembering, like, there's just some sweetness and beauty in those moments. And so that really takes away from the overwhelm or the feelings of being unqualified if I'm able to see the beauty that God has placed in my children and in the opportunity of being able to homeschool. Um, so, sorry. I- yes. And, um, I was just going to say, you know, I really relate to the idea that I'm not qualified or I don't know a lot about educating young children. Um, so I think myself and a lot of, you know, my friends have a sort of an expert mentality, like, a you know, things need an expert mentality, like, um, you know, for my, ch- you know, to teach children to read seems like kind of a big deal. And don't I need to leave that to like, you know, the early education experts. And then, you know, I'm not like a, I don't really feel I'm like an inherently patient person. Um, I like to have fun with my kids. And I, you know, we, I like to goof off and stuff. But but yes, even those days when I wake up and I feel like we're all off to a great start, you know, it doesn't take much before I'm at, I, we call it starting the day over. So I'm like, okay, time out. Like we're going to start the day over, you know, cause it's gone off the rails pretty quickly. Um, and what others have shared is really, is, is, um, so helpful. Um, and I, I would just echo that, you know, for me, I really have to remember that it's a, a marathon and not a sprint because I, um, I tend to have a lot of enthusiasm and, you know, 1 million ideas and, you know, I'll see something shiny over here and, oh my gosh, that'll work perfectly with what we're going to do. And I really just have to try to keep it simple. And then like, I think um, Katie was sharing, you know, it's for me, what I've kind of learned just by listening to other people is it's a lot more about just doing the small things every day rather than like big elaborate, at least in our house, you know, big elaborate projects are not my thing. Um, you know, but if we are yeah, reading a lot, like if, if, you know, my son is reading to me, if we're doing some math, if we're, you know, um, getting outside, you know, to experience nature, if we're doing kind of just basic things day by day by day by day, they all kind of build. And I had a lot of fear, a lot of worry, and a lot of like, you know, what if, what if, what if. And I'm really trying this year to just kind of trust the process and realize again, it's more about doing, you know, consistency and small, small consistencies rather than big, grandiose, you know, um, uh, major thing, you know, often. One of the things that I, realized in the last couple of years of homeschooling is I reached out to some friends who are professional teachers because I don't feel qualified. One of the things I talked to the teachers about was about, you know, reading. Cause that's one of those subjects that people are like, how do I teach my kid to read? And one of the things she told me was for a lot of kids and more than you would think 
fluently reading doesn't necessarily kick in until they're in second or third grade. So if your kindergartner isn't fluently reading, you're still good. (laughs) And if your first grader isn't fluently reading, you're still okay as long as you're seeing improvement. And that's what um, the friends that I've reached out to other homeschool moms, the teachers that I know personally, as long as you're seeing improvement, that's what you need. If you stop seeing improvement, then you need to reevaluate. Um, the other thing that I had kind of thought of when Denise was talking was um, when I'm feeling unqualified to teach, math is not my thing. And that's another one of those subjects that freaks everyone out, math and reading, it seems like. I'm not a math person, but I've learned how to do fractions with my second grader. <laughs> so am I qualified to teach it? No, but I'm qualified to learn it. And we ended up learning it together. And I've made connections from my own school years. It's like, oh my gosh, now it makes sense. So I don't hesitate to tell the kids, you know what? I have no idea what we're doing, but that's why I have the teacher's guide because it tells me, and that is so helpful. And if I'm really stuck, I find somebody who isn't. Um, I have, you know, again, I have several homeschool moms that I've been friends with years before I started homeschooling. And they're pretty good about telling me, yeah, take a breath. You're good. And walking me through it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know for me, something that was helpful when I started was remembering that I was my child's first teacher. So I didn't need all the answers. I didn't know how, I didn't have to know how to teach pre-algebra when she was three years old, but I had taught her, you know, to get dressed and how to use the toilet at that point. And so, you know, I could gradually learn new things that I needed to teach, you know, and as you stated, the Sunlight Instructors guides, they explain very well how to teach, you know, there's other homeschool friends that can explain what's important. And I think the thing about reading, yes, your kid does not have to know how to read perfectly at four or five years old. Um, This is something I actually learned with my second child because reading was relatively easy for my daughter. So I thought, this is easy. I know how to teach a kid how to read. And then my second child struggled with reading Mm -hmm. and it was a whole new eye-opening experience of, okay, now I need to reevaluate how do I teach this child and how do I figure out what helps him learn? Um, And yeah, just trust the process. Like Denise said, he is reading now two years later, but it, it was definitely more of a struggle Um, But I think understanding that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have all the answers when we start out and then moving forward, you know, little by little doing those little things every day helps a ton. So how do you guys balance things to make sure that you aren't missing something? Um, Or how do you know if maybe you're doing too much for a particular season? Something that I have noticed in myself, I mean, I don't know if there is such a thing as balance. (laughs) I never feel completely balanced. But something I've noticed is that I always lean more towards the side of doing too much. I I think Denise said this, um, that you see the shiny thing over here and you just gravitate towards it and say, oh, that'll work perfectly with what I want to do or with what we're already doing. And then I find that I've bought so much curriculum or you know what was supposed to take an hour and a half is now taking four hours and all the fun has been completely drained out of homeschool and my grandiose idea of all of the beautiful memories we were going to make is just gone because I've thrown way too much into the day Um, and so I'm realizing that when I am feeling overwhelmed a lot of times it's because I put too much into the day and so I just kind of start looking at things and saying like 
okay, what is not life-giving? Like, where are we not having fun? Things that are not, you know, imperative to learn. Like, we have to do our math, and we have to read, and we do need to practice our handwriting. Like, those are non-negotiables. So the other things, like, there's wiggle room. So, you know, what can we cross out or move to a different day? Or, for example, my son does not love the creative expression. Um, and he didn't love it in kindergarten. It was like pulling teeth. However, my three-year-old would jump in there and just share all of his wonderful ideas, but it did not make my kindergartner come alive. And then this year he's doing a little bit better, but still just doesn't love it. So there are some weeks when we're doing it. And there are some weeks when, you know, I'm like, this just, this isn't your jam this week. And so we're just going to go in a different direction or we're going to draw a picture. And I just want you to narrate to me, like, what, what are you drawing? And that's, and we're good with that. So I'm just realizing that when I'm just doing too much, uh, I'm usually putting the curriculum ahead of my relationship with my kids too. And so um, realizing that uh, there are just some red flags there of me stuffing too much in the day and then just needing to pull back and that it's okay to pull back. Yeah, absolutely. And I know my experience has been that, you know, I have learned so much when I'm teaching my kids with sunlight that I either never learned in school or I forgot. Um, so I don't think, I think sometimes people worry about, oh my goodness, my child is not retaining this information. They're never going to learn this subject. Um, but fortunately, because Sunlight's programs are, are spiral and, you know, B is World History One for younger kids versus D is World History One for older kids, you come back and touch on the same topics and subjects again. Um, and your kids aren't going to retain everything the first time, but they're still going to learn those things. So it's not, you know, as long as you're covering your core subjects, they're learning at least as much as they would be learning in school, probably, if not more. Yeah. Um, and you will come back to stuff again. Yes, I was just going to say, um, I agree. I don't know if balance truly exists, but I know for us, like, there's definitely a there's a, there's a time that we can do school and then it's um, there's a time I can tell like there's diminishing returns and we're just going to need to start wrapping things up and so forth. What I've learned is we're kind of all over the place in the instructor's guide. So we're always ahead on read alouds because my kid, like I said, my kids constantly want me to read, you know, um, I think we're reading um, where we just started core A. Anyway, we're way ahead on read alouds. We're always like week 27 or whatever, you know, but we'll be week two on something else, you know, so I kind of learned to just make my peace with that. And um, like, we didn't really finish math till like uh, August, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we just kept going every day with it because, and then I realized this year I started to put math for first because anyway, everybody was a little fresher and had more energy for it. And we got through it a little faster. So for me, it was just about recognizing and kind of just accepting the reality that, there's going to be a finite amount of time that we will all be that, you know, everyone will be productive and um, we just do what we can when we can and we'll, we'll get there. And if we don't, that's okay too. Like uh, Kendra was saying, it's so weird, but my son also just sort of gives me a blank look when I say, you know, creative expression uh, assignments, <laughs> but on his own, he will write stories about, you know, he wrote a story about building a skyscraper, you know? So I just sort of go with that. And then I'm like, all right, we're moving on. Um, and so, yeah, take what I want, kind of leave, you know, leave what's not working and then just accept that, yes, we're going to fly through some things just because it's naturally more appealing to everyone. And then others may be a slog, but it's okay. And, and so that's kind of helped me relax a little bit about that kind of stuff. What has helped me with the 
illusion of balance <laughs> is um, what, one, remembering that it is a guide. It is not the law. Um, another thing that has helped me with balance, and it's the one thing when I talk to people who are getting ready to homeschool or if they're moving to a different state, find out your state laws. That's like the one thing you can't stress enough. Know your state laws because that will actually help you balance your days better because what's required in one state may not be required in another. So if you're heavily focusing on something that's not necessarily required, I'm not saying you're wasting your time, but you're not balancing your time. Um, so for us, the IGs, it's a guide. It is not the law. With math, um, I use horizons. So it's the spiral approach. If they've mastered a section, I will have them do two or three of those problems just to keep the review. But if there's 15 problems, I'm going to cross off the rest because if they've mastered it, we don't need to beat a dead horse. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of it is, and the other thing I realized with balance is, um, because again, and it goes back to feeling underqualified or am I doing this right? In public schools, they never finish the book. Like, never. I remember and, that. <laughs> so, and I think with homeschoolers, we have this idea of we've got to finish everything. And if we don't, we failed. Well, no, you don't need to finish everything because it is, it's going to either be reviewed the next year or covered fully again. And if you need a break, take one, whether your schedule says you're scheduled for one or not. And I'm bad about that. I write everything in pen. Um, I spoke at the seminar during the summer and I mentioned that I write everything in pen and that's like carving it in stone. I invested in whiteout. It helps me a lot. So, you know, in August, you know, like I said, I lost the entire month. I mean, talk about trying to find a balance, you know, I was sick. So the balance was saying, we're going to scratch off most of this and it is what it is. So what's balanced in one season may not be what's balanced in another season too. But if you're not taking a break, you're not being balanced. Absolutely. Yes. And we do have some parents that try to run multiple programs. I've heard as many as three or four of our history Bible literature programs while also, you know, they have babies or toddlers that are distracting them from teaching as well as so sometimes it's helpful to get your older kids working a little more independently if you want to try that um, or combine programs whenever you can. But what are some of the ways, I'm especially curious those of you with young children that you are teaching and fostering, you know, independence in your older children so that way you really can you know, there's enough of you to go around to all of your children while you're trying to homeschool. I got folders for my kids. Um, in my folders is um, their reader because that's completely independent. Like I said, they might need help with a word that they don't recognize, but they can curl up on a couch and read their readers. So that goes in their folder. Um, their ELA worksheet goes into their folder because on Monday it's copy work they don't need my help with copy work. So that goes into their folder. Um, their math assignment goes into their folder because again, I use Horizon, so a lot of it is review. So we'll focus on the new section together, but for the most part, they can do that without me. <laughs> um, 
and I'm always right there if they need me. And I think that's the thing we have it in our head. If it's independent, they don't need us at all. And that's not accurate. So they have the work and it's in their folder. They know every day we get our folder. This is what mom has us do first. And while they're doing that, I have a busy box for my toddler who is into everything. You know, chaos abounds, but if they have their folder, they know what's in it. They know what's expected. Um, They know if they need help, they can come get me because I'm always make myself available for that. But they also know if they know how to do it and I'm wrestling the two-year-old trying to change diaper, that may not be the best time to ask for help and they can move on to something else they know to do until... I can come back to them. Those are great tips. I was writing stuff down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those are great. Um, I like to start with math and handwriting. You know, as soon as your child's old enough, you know, that you can explain, here's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Then I turn them loose to go do that, you know, math lesson or that handwriting lesson. Um, And that's about where my son is right now. I don't trust him quite yet to read things and fill out answers or any of that, but he can definitely do his own math and handwriting once he's been given instruction. Mm -hmm. But then like my daughter who is older, um, she's in seventh grade. She does almost everything independently. Um, She did ask if we could continue doing read alouds. So that's something we do together. Um, And it's more relational at this point than her needing me to read aloud, um, but it's still something we enjoy doing together. But her history, her science, most of her Bible study, um, language arts, she can do all of those activities on her own. So I hand over the IG and say, okay, here's what you need to do if you need help. Um, Like you stated, Katie, being available if, you know, your kids have questions is great. And then at the end of the day, that's when we convene and I ask her the questions from the IG, I review her science worksheets, her written assignments for language arts, all of that to make sure that, you know, she understood everything. But but as your kids get older, that is easier. (laughs) And so then you can focus on the younger kids. And, you know, that is still very labor intensive, even in probably second, third, fourth grade. Um, doing those things. But then, yeah, as the kids get older, you can kind of release them to do their own work as well. I want to share how you manage your daily schedule, maybe what you're doing this year or last year, or kind of how you go through your homeschool day. I can share a little bit of what we do. Um, This year is kind of probably going to change them. (laughs) We're only four weeks in, so we're still kind of working out the kinks and figuring things out. But um, something that worked really well for us last year, because my kids are so small, and it can just be hard to wrangle everybody to, you know, let's read five books. Um, (laughs) That can be really difficult. So I've found that mealtime is such a good time to do our couch subjects. So um, I mean, I consider it couch subject slash morning basket time. Um, while I'm cooking breakfast and serving breakfast, you know, they're sitting up at the bar and, you know, we go through our Bible verse together and we, we usually save our Bible like devotion time for at night at bedtime. Um, we go through our Bible verse together. We usually talk about any theological questions they have because they always have them. Um, 
we read our history together. We read our science together. And my son will sit there and just dictate his answers to me while he's eating breakfast for the science questions. Um, and then we'll also do our literature together at breakfast time, not the read aloud, but if there's poetry to read or something like that, we'll read it at that time. I also have started incorporating, trying to read a picture book to them each day. Um, we have so many picture books and honestly, before this year, we barely ever read them. Um, Cause it just felt like we were all over the place. And I thought someone else suggested that. And I thought, I really wanna be intentional about reading the books that we actually have. So reading that to them at breakfast and they're super engaged with it. And it even helps my one-year-old to be engaged to have food, just to have food so that he's not screaming. Last year, uh, when he was doing a lot of teething with those first molars, he would just scream through our read-alouds. And I was shocked that my little boys could pick up anything that I was reading because I felt like I was just shouting over a screaming baby all the time. And it felt like chaos, but being able to give him food so that he's quiet has been super helpful. So that's how we manage those things. And we get through them in probably like 30 to 45 minutes and it flows really well. And then we do our read alouds during lunchtime. So again, more food. Reading happens around food and it works really well at our house. So um, that's how we get through it peacefully. And it seems to just make things really smooth for me. So I feel less stressed out. <laughs> Yes, you always have a captive audience when kids are eating. So that is a great tip, <laughs> making sure that, yeah, especially if they're wiggly and they don't want to sit and listen to a story, that's a great time to read. Let's see, well, I can tell you, we have a pretty similar setup. So this year would be the first year that I'm doing school with two. So I hats off to you guys. Um, but we do the same. We do, um, we're up and ready to go pretty early. So everyone eats breakfast around seven or so. And that's when I usually read the Bible readings for the day. Um, and uh, then after breakfast, they sort of scatter, kind of clean up their place, kind of do, you know, have a little bit of a movement, you know, kind of break. And then we this year are doing um, our school or sort of table stuff at our actual table. Last year, it was very kind of loosey-goosey all over the place, but it seems to be working better that for this little short kind of brief time we sit and um, I have some little math for the kindergartner. She has the Saxon K, which is mostly like pattern blocks so far and stuff. So that's worked really great because it's very free form. And so I'm like, you get to play with these today. And I just sort of, you know, dump them all. I'm like, here you go. And, um, and then that gives me some time to sort of work with my son on the Saxon too. And so we kind of work through his and then we usually go into the right, whatever writing or language arts there is. And I just kind of tag team between the two of them. So that's why for me, it works to kind of have them at the table for that part. And then I try to save the, the carrot, the, the read aloud. And then um, we do like, what we did do for science was just sort of science theme books or, you know, so all of the science history and read aloud stuff, we, I try to save um, for after that and then we're usually done before lunch. And then after lunch, their absolute favorite thing in the world is to sit on a blanket outside and whenever it cools off and we just eat popcorn and read, you know, whatever. So, um, so that's what we do. And then I do the block. I would just say that we don't do um, history or science or art or whatever. We don't do that um, every day at all. Like we definitely do the block thing where we do it maybe two days a week. And then we do something else a couple days a week. Um, we have found like a, PE group and different things, you know, cause my kids just really need my boy, especially needs a lot of movement and, you know, activity and stuff. 
So, um, so anyway, so that's what we, we try to get all the business done in the morning and then have the afternoon for goof off, um, playing. And then, like I say, doing all their favorites. So that seems to work pretty well for us. When I started homeschooling last year, my thought was, okay, school starts at eight because isn't that when school starts? <laughs> school does not start at eight at my house. In fact, a lot of mornings it starts at six 30 in the morning because wow. my daughter is a morning person. I don't know how I got one of those. I am a <laughs> coffee person. I get up, I go to the coffee pot <laughs> and she gets up and starts talking. So, and that's why I started doing the folders. Um, she gets up, she gets dressed and she gets her folder. Cause that's when she's freshest where, when I made her wait until eight, because in my head, that's when you started, um, it became a fight. So a lot of times she has all of her independent work, um, that I assign knocked out by like seven 30 in the morning. And my son is not a morning person. So when he gets up, um, they're still typically up right around seven 30, he gets up, he gets breakfast and then he gets his folder and it gives them a chance for some quiet before we start with the reading. If I started with the reading right off the bat, that doesn't work for my family. We're not awake enough, except for my daughter, who's very awake. <laughs> um, so, but they I ask and I ask them because, you know, they're eight and nine, they can have more opinions of how, you know, it's working for us. And he told me, he's like, mom, I like just getting up and reading my own book in the morning. And so he does, he curls up on the couch and off he goes. So once their folder work is done, as we've started calling it, which is the table subjects, um, we tend to take a break and sometimes they watch a show. Sometimes I send them outside and it's generally a half hour. And then we jump into our history, our poems, um, and in trying to incur going back to, you know, how do we teach them to be independent? I'll let them read the poems aloud instead of me doing all the reading. Um, so that helps if it's a longer poem, I read it because it keeps the flow better and I'm a perfectionist, so I'm working on it, <laughs> but, um, typically we're done right around noon. Um, but again, part of that is because I have one kid who's starting work the minute she jumps out of bed. And part of it is the ages of my kids. When I've talked to um, a friend who does sunlight and she has high school level kids, she's like, it's going to start taking longer. Prepare yourself. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, and I also talked to her because she was doing multiple cores at one point with a baby. And I asked her like, how does that work? Because I'm going to be doing that sooner than I think. Cause next year, my two-year-old will be starting the preschool program. How does it work? And what she told me was when her middle son needs the most help, she would give her oldest daughter a read aloud to read with her preschool aged kid. So her preschool aged kid wasn't being ignored and was being entertained. Both of them were getting work done and so, you know, it goes back into the balance and all that. But um, I did find that if I get into my head that it has to look a certain way and start at certain times and end at certain times, I'm going to end up frustrated and angry by the end of the day. 
Whereas if I just let Shay get up and start her folder work at 630 in the morning, then I have 20 minutes to drink a hot cup of coffee and she's getting her work done. It's a win-win. Absolutely. As long as things are getting done and kids are learning, you're on the right track. (laughs) So we're going to pivot a little bit to another really popular homeschooling topic. I know it's something that I was asked about a ton when I started homeschooling and even now, and that's the topic of socialization. Um, So how do you know if you're keeping your kids home too much and isolating them from others, or if you need to get out more and have them experience, you know, people in the outside world? Um, this might seem kind of silly, but um, my kids are, my two older kids are both very, very extroverted. I'm a little bit more of an introverted person. I do talk a lot, but I get a lot more energy from just being alone than I do from being with a group of people. So because we're so different, I'm much more likely to want to just stay home. So I, that just is my default. My kids always want to be out and about and doing things. So something that I've noticed when we're maybe home a little bit too much is they will pester our neighbors. (laughs) So we live in a neighborhood where we're one of the only families and we're mostly surrounded by retired couples. We have a retired couple to the side of us and um, we share a fence line and they have a beautiful iron fence with really large gaps in between so that my kids can stick their little faces in and talk to them every time they come out of the house. So that's kind of a red flag to me when they are seeking out so much attention from our neighbors like okay maybe it's time for us to go like let's plan a play date or let's go on another field trip or you know whatever. But also we do tend to have a lot of extracurriculars throughout the year that do fill that bucket for them. We do uh, BSF, Bible study fellowship. We, my middle son goes to preschool two days a week. Um, we are a part of a homeschool club this year. We do sports and then we're very involved in our church. So they have a lot of extracurriculars normally during the year. So I see that come out more with them during the summertime, but still it's definitely a blaring red flag to me of like, okay, I need to get these extroverts out around people who actually want to talk to them and not my neighbors who are just trying to enjoy their beautiful yard. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it kind of varies from family to family too. Yeah, like you said, you being an introvert, I'm very much an introvert myself. So I like to be around the people I know and, and not necessarily around strangers as much. But my daughter is extremely extroverted and would talk to the wall if there was no one else around to talk to. And so I just learned when the kids were little to take them with me everywhere. So that way they could, you know, get used to social interaction. They could also see how I interacted with people. Um, Kids are very, it's easy for them to make friends. So I didn't really have to teach them any of that. But, you know, things like basic manners, how to introduce yourself, you know, stuff like that. They were able to pick up from watching me even just running errands. Um, And so I would say now when people ask, you know, about socialization, it's always, have you met my kids? (laughs) They're great around other people. um, And yeah, great at making friends wherever we go. Um, But I know that's something that it kind of takes a little time to realize, okay, yes, they are fine. You know, and sometimes you have quieter kids. My son, he's on the shy side and a little shy when he's around kids, but we just keep him in sports and activities that he can be around them. And, you know, he also is developing, I feel like completely normally, um, just from being around other people. 
I know for me, um, when I started homeschooling, I had one really loud critic and the critic's concern was, well, what about socialization? And I looked at her, I said, you know, that's a moot point this year. I mean, we are in the years of social distance. (laughs) So I said, how many times in school did we get told you're in school? This isn't time for socializing. I heard that a lot. Um, And truthfully, we are more active now that we're homeschooling than we ever were when we were public schooling. Um, Because, you know, public schooling took up eight hours of the day. So by the time they got home and then had their homework, the day was done. There wasn't time. Um, Now I have them in our Churches Awana program. And of course, we go to church on Sunday. We're getting ready to, I'm helping start up a co-op. So we'll be involved in that. We have play dates coming out of our ears. Um, Now in August, all that went down the drain when we were sick. So again, my friend, uh, she also happens to live in Houston, Texas. We arrange for our two extroverted children to FaceTime every Friday. And we listen to those two chat and it gives us some peace for an hour or more. Um, and both of them are a little angry at us today because we were both busy. So they didn't get to face chat today. No. <laughs> and, you know, but that is a socialization and even, you know, it's little, but, but like I said, I told her, and she has even commented since then watching how homeschooling actually works. A lot of her preconceived notions on socialization have completely flown out the window. Denise, we lost your sound. Are you trying to? Sorry. I my kids are having a really, really loud discussion out there. So I had to <laughs> myself. I think it's, I don't think it came to blows. I think we're okay. But um, uh, my husband intervened. But uh, I'll say this was a little bit of a tough one for us because my son went to kindergarten for about seven months. And if you asked him what his favorite, you know, classes were, he said lunch and PE because he just, he loves to sit and chat and eat and he loves to run around. And it was really hard on him when the schools closed and um, last year was really hard on him because he is super extroverted. My husband and I probably both introverts. And, and um, so we did our best, like, you know, Katie was saying with kind of COVID situation, we kept him in a scout troop with his best friends and he played soccer with his best friends. We did lots of play dates and uh, my, my friend who was homeschooling, we sort of had a standing play date with them every Friday. Um, But you know, still, I'll, I'll be honest, like he is, he was not thrilled about not going back to school this year. Um, he asked me a, a several times, um, you know, why can't I just go back and hang out with my friends? And he can fully, you know, articulate to you, it isn't about academics. It's, it's just about, you know, um, you know, if you ask him what school's about, it's about hanging out with his, his friends. So I will say it was a, a homeschool mom, a, a sunlight mom that I met through the connections group here who um, I just sort of reached out one day and I was like, um, cause I've been so excited about homeschooling and getting everything ready. And, um, and he just, he wasn't, you know, and, um, uh, and she, so I just said, you know, I, I have to admit I'm struggling a little bit cause every time I bring it up, you know, um, my, my daughter's fine with it, but he was really, you know, not. Um, and she was so sweet. She right away said, you know what? 
I know a great homeschool PE group. That's the one now we go to, you know, um, it's weekly. It's the same group of kids. Anyway, so she reached out right away. She got me hooked up with that. It's like super affordable. It's the same groups of, you know, he can get to know a group of kids and somebody else, you know, told me about a, a part group that's a giant, you know, it's a big group with like all ages from babies up to teenagers. So, um, we just had to really make a point to go to those like every week. Um, so he can get to know, um, the same group of friends and, and get that time to play outside. I'll say, like I said, you know, we've just, um, I've really been fortunate that, I mean, I feel like homeschool moms are just the best group of people because, um, and I'm just really fortunate to live, you know, in this community. Like I just post something on a group and I get 10 ideas, you know, about different things that we could do. Um, that are affordable and relatively easy, you know, kind of low impact from my, my standpoint, you know? Um, so, and I, I will say too that, and I don't want to like bash anything or whatever, but what I, what I do see is that my son, you know, even the little bit of schooling he had and um, you know, there are, and, and with my older kids, I see, you know, um, there were aspects of their socialization at their, their public school that weren't always super positive, you know, and, I'm just really, really grateful that um, we're not dealing with that, you know, because um, uh, that can bring its own challenges. And I, I so far feel that every every group of kids we've met um, as part of our homeschool, you know, kind of reaching out, have just been really, really sweet, um, welcoming kids who, um, you know, I took my little daughter who's very shy to a homeschool dance class because she had done dance in the past and she didn't want to participate, you know, she was super scared and just like kind of standing in the back, you know, and these little like eight, nine and 10 year old girls just like went over, grabbed her hand and we're like, come on, Helen, it'll be okay. Just like, right, you know, just like really, really tender, tender hearted. So, um, so I'll just, I don't know. I just, I've been so impressed and so, um, just so encouraged by how welcoming and how uh, resourceful and how creative, you know, this, the homeschool moms like tend to be, you know, cause uh, um, anytime I feel like I've had a challenge, I've just sort of put it out there. And as I said, I just get so many great ideas back. So that's been really, really nice. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. If something is new for you, somebody else has probably already gone through it. And so you can get great tips from other homeschool parents and like you mentioned, the homeschool community as a whole, I feel like is very welcoming and you're able to kind of expose your kids to certain things when you're ready for them to versus maybe them hearing that from their friends at school. Um, like you mentioned, sometimes the socialization they're getting at school may not be what you want for your kids anyway. So it is nice to have that, that influence, you know, it, being around them all the time. Which speaking of, I love, Denise, that you mentioned your kids fighting in the background, because that is a common issue in our house, too, <laughs> um, because you're just spending so much time together. You're, your kids are witnessing your imperfections more and maybe you losing your cool or they're fighting with each other. Some days they're not motivated or don't want to sit still and do their schoolwork. So how do you guys handle those situations? Well, for me, I, you know, um, I guess I have the benefit of our older boys kind of having gone through it and hopefully learning like one or two techniques. But um, I guess the most helpful advice I've gotten is like to check my own pulse, right? Because I, um, I tended as I grew up to be a very reactive person and sort of rise to meet the level of, you know, excitement in the room. And I have found that if I just keep my cool, 
and be like, wow, seems like there's a lot going on in here, you know, and um, that that helps because I'm not, you know, um, immediately reacting like they are. And um, I just, I try to keep my myself calm um, and then just say, you know, I, I feel like maybe we all need a break and let's just take a pause. Or like I said, we do a lot of like timeout, let's start the day over, let's start this lesson, let's start this situation, you know, whatever's happening right now doesn't seem to be working, let's just regroup. Um, and then I really had to learn, um, and this is more of like a parenting thing, but you know, I really always wanted to try to investigate and to get to the bottom of everything of like, who's really in the wrong and who, you know, da, da. and now I just say like, you know, my husband kind of told me, he's like, I don't think you're, you know, ever going to get the real story, you know? So now I just say, so you know, this, this, whatever this is, isn't working. And let's just remember, we sort of have like house rules about, you know, kindness and respect and, you know, um, respect for others, property and different things. And so we just sort of lean on these sort of very basic general ideas and don't necessarily um, get tied up into the nitty gritty of, you know, how many minutes so-and-so had this versus the, you know, um, and by the way, we do use a lot of timers <laughs> for sharing things because <laughs> Um, cause, uh, that's, yeah, that seems to at least work, but anyway, so yes, we just sort of, I, my, I think my biggest coping strategy just based on my own sort of temperament, which is to get really excited really quickly is to just sort of remember to check my own pulse, you know, make sure I'm, you know, I'm calm before I go in to deal with the situation. And then, um, and then the other thing is I just have sort of helicopter tendencies. So I just have to be willing to let them kind of work it out. Like just now, you know, my husband's a lot better at kind of letting them try to work it out. And then um, he'll intervene sort of if needs must. But um, whereas I tend to be like, wait, something happening and, and rush right in there. So I, I'm learning to try to sort of um, let things evolve a little bit and see if they can, again, learn to work things out because that's part of life too, you know. That's so good what you said about just calming yourself down, checking your own pulse, because I can get really elevated sometimes with my kids. Um, I don't know, something about boys, and they're just really physical, and they're really, really loud, and it causes my pulse to just elevate, just to skyrocket really quickly, so that's really encouraging. Um, I have talked to my husband about this a lot, because I've just thought, like, man, with my kids being home so much, they just see so much of the sin that's in my heart and everything that I do wrong all the time so I feel like I'm always talking to them about Jesus and about the gospel but then here I am trying to live it out and I'm constantly failing at it you know um and so I was like are they even learning from it like am I doing a good job of discipling them because I feel like I'm saying one thing and then I'm doing another because they just see all of the sin in my heart and they bring it out of me in a way that nobody else does so that's been a struggle for me. And my husband has been very gracious. And I think speaking a lot of truth to me when he constantly reminds me that what they really get is a front row seat to humility, because they're getting to see repentance modeled over and over and over again, because a lot of my days, there's quite a lot of apologizing going on that comes from me being able to come to them and ask for their forgiveness and try to make it right. And just to be real with them about like, hey, you guys, I'm struggling with my patience right now. Like mommy's having a hard time being patient or I said this and it was not very kind. Like my kids know the fruit of the spirit and we talk about the fruit of the spirit a lot. So I can often go back to that and say like, hey, I was not living out the fruit of the spirit. Can you please forgive me? And we, we pray together or I'll pray and I'll let them listen to me pray and talk to the Lord about it. You know, like if they're just 
kind of getting a front row seat to what it looks like to live in repentance and to live in the grace of God rather than trying to, you know, live under the law or trying to meet some expectation of perfection that I will never attain. Um, so that has just been really, I think it's been really good for me to break me out of my perfectionistic tendencies um, for my kids to be able to see that. And then when they are struggling with each other, which they really get along very well, but we have seasons where they get along great and then where they just can't stand being together. And that probably comes because they're just together so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the time, my husband and I will tell them, okay, you know what, we're not going to get involved. Don't come and talk to me until you've talked to them first. And um, I had another mom tell me that. And I thought that that was actually really great. such a good biblical principle. Like if you have a problem with someone, if you have an offense with someone, you need to go to them and talk to them about it first before you bring in someone else. And so they're learning. I mean, obviously they're young, they're six and four. So they're learning how to communicate those things and We let them know, like, if you're having trouble saying the words or you're trying and it's not working, you can come get us and ask for help. But we don't want you to come and find us until you've tried to talk to each other about it first, tried to work it out first. And then often when they do come and get us, we don't even really have to say anything. We'll just kind of clarify, like, I am understanding that you're saying this and you're saying this or you want this headband and he won't share it. Is that what you're saying? And then before I even finish, the other brother goes, okay, I'll share. Here you go. You know, so they're usually able to work it out on their own if I give them the space to do it instead of constantly like jumping in. Sometimes they need my direction, but that's really hard for me because I really like to control things and have them be perfect. So I'm, I'm learning a lot, but those are things that have worked really well in our house. (laughs) With my kids, we've been working on compromise and I heard my son tell my daughter the other day. We've got to figure this out because if mom comes in, neither one of us is going to be happy. (laughs) You know, it it never fails. The biggest argument is at nap time and I need the two-year-old to sleep. That's just for my sanity. We need the two-year-old to sleep. So, you know, they know. And while my two-year-old sleeping, we have a quiet time. Um, It helps everyone in the house. And the deal is, is Shay and Nolan can play together as long as it's quiet and they're not arguing or fussing. And if I have to come in, they get separated. So we've really been working on the art of compromise and it is an art and it's constantly being fine-tuned. They're not good at it, (laughs) Um, but they're eight and nine. So that's not surprising. The other thing um, I have had to work on is apologizing when I'm wrong. I actually had had someone tell me a parent should never apologize to their child because that'll take the authority away. And I've actually found the opposite to be true. If you apologize to your kid when you were wrong, they see the humbleness, first of all, which is mirroring Christ, which is what we should be doing. Um, And it's the, it goes back to learning together and it sounds so simple and it's not. Um, so, you know, but with the eight and nine year old learning to compromise with the two year old, we have a lot of, um, it's not fair. We let her get away with stuff that the older two can't. And it's, well, when you were two, you weren't helping pick up as much either. Um, and teaching, and this is a struggle for them 
fair does not mean equal. And that is a really hard concept, even for adults. So it's an ongoing thing. It's not always pretty. It's not going to be pretty. Um, and I don't have it all together. Let's just clarify that. It sounds good coming out of my mouth. I don't have it all together and I haven't figured out how to do it all yet. I'm not going to, I've given up trying, but if we can have one day where we're like, wow, we managed to go this whole day without someone screaming, that's a win. Or quite frankly, we went an afternoon without someone screaming. That's a win. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys bring up such great points that homeschooling isn't just the academic instruction. You are also teaching your kids life skills, things like conflict resolution, and they're learning that you are a flawed human. I know I struggle with this as well. I am your stereotypical perfectionist type A intense personality. And I like things a very certain way. And I did have to learn. I mean, homeschooling every day challenges me to be more flexible and, you know, learn to roll with the punches. And, you know, I do apologize to my kids. They see that I am not perfect um, and that I shouldn't try to be right. I, I think it's really important that your kids understand that we are all sinners. We're all flawed. We have to ask for forgiveness um, and then move forward from there. But I think those are good things that they're learning, you know, even though they're not necessarily academic. And then when it comes to the academic stuff, if I have a child who's acting up when we're trying to do school, there's typically a reason for that as well. So I do try to figure out, okay, why are you fighting against this so much. Um, my son, when he was struggling learning to read, he would always act up anytime we wanted him to read aloud. And we finally realized, wait a second, he's doing this every single time, what's going on? And it turned out he wasn't able to articulate to us that it was hard for him. He didn't know how to express that. So his only way of expressing that was acting up. Um, and once we realized that we were better able to help him, you know, learn to read and give him words to use when he was struggling, which has helped now with other things. So, yeah, I think it's so great, you know, that we are with our kids so much and we get to see them and help them through these struggles that if they were in a classroom, they may or may not be recognized. And you guys have been great. We have gone way over time and not gotten to probably half of the things people have asked us about. Um, so thank you ladies so much for joining me today. I have had such a great time talking with you and learning how you each homeschool and, you know, great tips there. We definitely want to encourage anyone watching who has not signed up yet for the Sunlight app or join the Facebook Sunlight Connections group to go ahead and do that because both groups are great locations to ask questions like the ones we've talked about today. And then you'll get answers from other Sunlight parents and our Sunlight advisors and mentors are there as well. So if we did not get to a question that you were hoping to hear about, please post it in one of these groups and you will get feedback right away from other Sunlight parents and mentors and advisors. Also, if you're looking for an in-person Sunlight group, you can look at the uh, current locations on our website and join one. Denise is actually one of our connectors who leads one of our in-person groups. Um, or if you find there isn't a group in your area, you can fill out the form on our website that will tell you how to start a group in your area. So that's another great place to join with other Sunlight specific moms um, and get to meet your homeschool community. So ladies, thank you again for all of your homeschool hacks. It's been great.
Thank you for joining us here on the Sunlight Connections podcast. You can also visit Sunlight Curriculum on social media, in our Sunlight app, or at sunlight.com. I am Sunny from Sunlight, reminding you to tune in next time.